As an industrial water treater, you have to do so much. You have to know about so many things. Chemistry, physics, environmental, electrical, and the list goes on. But did you ever think that list should include cyber protection? Who's got time for that? Well, hackers have plenty of time to find your vulnerabilities and hold your valuable information hostage. 43% of all cyber attacks happen to small businesses. Small businesses are not prepared to defend against cyber attacks. The cyber threat protection experts at Reinert Consulting Group have been helping water treatment companies with strategies to protect their valuable data. Here's the thing about Reinert Consulting Group. They understand what water treatment companies need to defend against these attacks. From training to software, Reinert Consulting Group is your one-stop shop for protecting your valuable data. After all, where would you be without your data? Go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash cyber to find out more. That's scalinguph2o.com forward slash cyber. Don't wait before it's too late. Welcome to Scaling Up, the podcast where we scale up on knowledge so we don't scale up our systems. I'm Trace Blackmore, the host of Scaling Up H2O. And Nation, you are the members of the Scaling Up Nation. A couple weeks ago, I was at the AWT, the Association of Water Technologies Convention, and so many people came up to me telling me that they enjoy this podcast, giving me ideas, and they all had ribbon saying that they were Scaling Up Nation. That was so incredible. Thank you for everybody out there that listens to this podcast. And I was thinking today, what did I want to talk about on the show? What were we going to talk about before I introduce our guest? And I started thinking about all the things that went into the podcast when I first started and how the podcast has grown today, what it's meant to so many people. And it all started with an idea. It started with a whole list of things that had to be learned, that had to be executed, and had to be consistently done in order for that content to be consistent enough for people to actually want to listen to it. And then when they wanted to listen to it, to be often enough that they wanted to get into the habit of listening to the podcast. And that, of course, was an investment. It was an investment in time. It was an investment in technology. It was an investment in learning all these new things. And that got me thinking about investing. And when we think about investing, our mind automatically goes into money. What are we going to invest our money in so that money will grow and it will be able to sustain us at a later point, at a point that maybe we don't have money coming in so we can now live off of that money that we've grown? I think everybody understands that. Now, I don't think anybody agrees on the best way to invest money, but there's so much out there that if you did want to learn that, there's plenty of ways that you can do that. For those starting out, Dave Ramsey's Financial Academy, that's a great way to start learning about money, to start learning how to respect money, how to look at money as a tool. 
And I want to underscore that for a second because there's so many people out there that a goal they have in life is to acquire wealth. And I've been taught and I've seen it throughout my life and people that I admire how they handle themselves throughout their life, they've never looked at money as a destination. They've always looked at money as a tool. It's a tool that allows you to do something. In the example that I just gave you, it's a tool that allows us to do something different than work. We can retire and now we can live off that growth of our investment. So when you look at money as a tool, not a destination, your complete mind changes over that and you're able to look at it more objectively. If you treat money as that is where you are heading, that is my motivation. I've seen this time and time again. They write movies about it. There's never enough. So you never reach that destination. And if you don't know where to steer, how are you ever going to know when you've arrived? And how are you going to know when you're off course? So in myself, thinking about that, I started thinking about all the different ways that you invest. So we've checked the box on money. And by the way, if you are not saving for a future, I urge you to learn more about that because your money should be working as hard as you do. Enough about that. Another way that you should be investing is in yourself. How are you making sure that you are getting better each and every day? The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People teaches us in Habit 7 that there's four dimensions to investing in ourselves, And the seventh habit is called Sharpen the Saw. The story goes, two guys, one is sawing a tree, the other one is out on a walk and comes up to the guy that's sawing the tree. That guy asked the guy sawing the tree what he's doing. The guy says, well, look, I'm sawing this tree. He goes, well, how long have you been doing that? The guy said, oh, I'm so tired. I've been doing this for hours. The other guy says, well, have you thought about sharpening the saw? And the guy sawing the tree down says, you idiot, I'm too busy sawing this tree. So of course you can see In that story, if he would have taken the time to sharpen his tool, it would not have taken all that time that he was spending on chopping that tree down. So I don't know if that story is helpful, but I think it puts into perspective that we have to sharpen our bodies. We have to sharpen all the things that make us us or we're not able to do the things that we need to do. And we're not able to do them for the people that we care about. So here are the four dimensions that the seventh habit tells us that we need to work on. The first one is spiritual. So however you define that, how are you spending time to make sure your spiritual saw stays sharp? The next one is social and emotional. This is your relationships. How are you making sure that you are being the best that you can be within your relationships? And life's not meant to do it alone. So how are you making sure that you are with other people? Other people that can help you sharpen your saw. 
physical. Obviously, if our body runs out, there is nothing we can do. The mind can be as sharp as it can be, but if the body can't do the things that we need to do, that's not good. So how are we taking care of our bodies? Are we exercising? Are we eating right? Are we staying hydrated? All the things we know that we're supposed to do, are we doing that? And then finally, intellectual. Are we staying on top of the current information? This craft that we have today, maybe it's water treatment, maybe you're in another field and you listen to this podcast, whatever that is, is the information that you are running on today based on information you learned 5, 10, 20 years ago. Because I promise you, it has changed. And if you're not keeping up with that, you are not sharpening that saw. So with all of those things, I want you to think about how you are investing not only your money, but what you are doing in your day-to-day. And if you're not keeping that saw sharp, eventually it's going to catch up with you. At the very least, it's going to take you longer to do the things that you need to do. Well, Nation, I am super excited to introduce my guest to you. We're going to be talking to a water treater that found water treatment and didn't have the opportunity like I did where a family member worked in the industry and then introduced it to me. This person found water treatment and is now becoming just a fantastic water treater. And I can't wait for this interview. My lab partner today is Jed Kosh. Jed, you and I have become social media friends. We've talked on the phone a couple of times, and I'm excited to get to know you a little bit better and also to introduce you to the Scaling Up Nation. So welcome to the podcast. Hey, Trace. Thank you. Uh, You know, life's a gift, and I'm absolutely honored to be here at the lab table. How are you, sir? I am doing great. So I love your story. I'd love to share some of that with the Scaling Up Nation. So let's just start off with that. How did you get involved in water treatment? Yeah, well, that's a great question. Um, I'd push it back, you know, starting out in high school. I guess I'd like to think I was always a person that would chase that next ridgeline, per se, um, or just be an outlier. So I actually ended up graduating early from high school. I just, you know, had all my credits. I had all the college college crediting classes um, under my belt. And I just realized, you know, it's time to take that ne- next step. So very interesting going into college, knowing all my buddies were still in um, high school. But uh, I think it shaped me to be the person that I wanted to be. And um, looking back, it was one of the best decisions I made. Originally, I wanted to be a pharmacist, of all things. Uh, my stepmom is a pharmacist as well. And um, I'd like to think her and I share similar analytical mindsets. And I thought, you know, this might be a good career path for myself. After about a year in college, I realized, you know, uh, this really isn't for me. I didn't, not only did I not want to be in uh, school for another five years, but, you know, after doing some job shadows, it's just, not to be mean, but it, it was sort of um, boring for myself. And, you know, I like to think of myself as a squirrel in life. So you can't really contain a squirrel in one room for too long. So changed paths. No, originally I was biochemistry undergrad, and then, you know, I would go to a different school for graduates. But anyways, I found a program in, at the school I was attending. Uh, they had a de- degree in hydrology, which was very fascinating. I've always loved water. And, you know, with that analytical mindset, um, chemistry and math came very easy to me. I thought that was the path. And um, I absolutely love fishing. So, you know, working with hydrology and 
and streams and lakes and rivers was just really fascinating to me. I got uh, put together with placed into the wheel lab at, at college, which was water and environmental analysis lab, which they had an inorganic and organic lab, which was, was awesome just to experience. From there, I realized I didn't want to be in a lab. Just going back to that squirrel reference, I enjoyed the uh, experience. It just wasn't for me. So going along with the fact with chasing that next um, ridgeline, I got a job as a environmental scientist for an engineering firm close to college. And it was one of those things where for the last semester, I, I skipped all my Friday classes just to pursue, I, you know, I was just so motivated, motivated to pursue this career. And, and I realized at that point, you know, GPA doesn't matter that much. I'm so focused on the next, next task. So as an environmental scientist, I absolutely love the job. It was more so a hybrid between construction and engineering, working outside, working on groundwater remediation projects, phase one, phase two, site investigations. Of course, every story changes when you meet someone in your life. I met my future wife, which is my wife now. And it was one of those things where it's either I moved back to the greater Green Bay area where my home and hers was, or she moved closer to me. And it was almost a no-brainer that, you know, I had to take take everything and move back home. So at that time, I was pretty desperate for a job. Um, I found one working for a landfill of all places, doing more so auditing, waste streams, doing regulatory work. And to be honest, it just wasn't my thing. Uh, more so working behind a computer and did that for about eight to 10 months. Now that the landfill was going under an acquisition phase and it was kind of my way out um, without saying, you know, I'm just, I'm just picking up and leaving. So did find a job in my area working for Garrett Callahan. The rest is history, of course. So I'm curious, how did you go from the landfill to Garrett Callahan? Yeah, you know, I just started searching for jobs. Um, I Obviously working as an environmental scientist with the hydrology background and all my lab experience, I did not know that it would be a good fit because I did not know what I was getting myself into, to be honest with you. But I was very, very intrigued with water treatment. Um, you know, first thing comes to mind is obviously wastewater because I, I had some some classes in that in college, but just incredibly interested in the sales aspect of it. And of course, water treatment. And it just drew me in immediately. So was it an ad that you saw that intrigued you? It was definitely an ad. I, I think it was on Indeed to searching from there, just, you know, just doing a search of the area, you know, you know, jobs within the 50 mile radius. And um, that one definitely caught my eye for sure. So you now accept the job. It's your first day as a water treater. What's going through your mind? Oh, I, going back, I have—I don't think anything was. I think I was just so in shock. <laughs> I, I do remember walking through a boiler room and, you know, the district manager was walking me through. So, you know, that's a DA tank. And I'm like, DA, duh. Um, the duh tank. I love that. Duh. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's the tank. Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, just all, all the term terminology and... Um, Every aspect of the job is—it was just a flood of information, and um, I was actually really excited for the opportunity. I, I do like throwing myself into those uncomfortable positions, and so for the first day, I don't even think I was thinking anything. It was more so just trying to be a little sponge. At what point did you realize I found where I want to be? That's a great question. Um, you know, one of my life wins uh, for a career is that I want to positively influence or impact as many people as I can, so that they look at life in a better perspective. That's my goal. Not certain amount of money, you know, how many, you know, if I can get a lake house, it's just, I want to impact as many people as I can in a positive sense. And I realized that when, you know, I've, I've never been, you know, introduced to so many people in the maintenance community, you know, for all the customers, all the people that I meet and work with, and then prospecting too, being able to share a different perspective on life, even if someone's down or a prospect doesn't want to talk to me, I'm 
still grateful to do that. So I couldn't focus it in on one thing, uh, more so chasing what my life win is. And that definitely fits. I love that. That's very similar to, to my mission statement. How did you come up with that? When did you decide, okay, this is, this is what gets me up in the morning? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. So I know a lot of people are set on goals and chasing goals. I would say I'm, I'm not very enthused about making goals. It goes back to the Apostle Paul. He had a great story in First Corinthians, but he, he said, you know, do you not know that the race, in a race, all runners run, but only one gets a prize? You know, and I'm thinking, what's even worse is those, those runners, they spend years, months training for this race. Now, in this race, they know exactly where they are, where the competitors are, where the finish line is, and they know that they're done. Well, in life, it's, it's not even close to that scenario. You know, in, in life, we can all win. Um, on top of that, we're all chasing different things. And I think I, I fear that most goals don't necessarily push us towards our life win. So I, I, I'm more so put more weight on wins than goals. I think in the long term, I don't want to be bouncing around as, as too much. So more so more moral integrity for myself to, to keep in a straight path. So for me, just focusing more on life wins. And I understand, you know, as far as financial goals, I have them, but so many things change, you know, market fluctuates and I, I don't want to be worried about that. I want to be focused on my ultimate win. And so, you know, for my race in my life, I want to be able to retire one day and, and look back and say, you know what, I influenced so many people. It's not about the money that I made. It's, you know, obviously it'll come with, with my, with my win, but um, I think that's how I kind of just settled on, on, on that. I love it. It's awesome. So what's your day to day like? Yeah. So my day to day is most similar to other technical sales roles or, you know, sales engineers where I would say two thirds of my time is spent servicing my customers. Of course, they come first. So I spend a lot of time with them. Now that one third of my time is spent in so many different directions. I can be pulled, putting together a, a bid. I can be doing training on sites. You know, I can be at a seminar. So you know all the hats that we wear. Um, but I would say it, it falls pretty much in line with everybody else in the large treatment industry. It's hard for me to think back to my very first day, but I, I do remember it was a fire hose. And although my dad kind of trickled it to me through my childhood, when you're actually doing it and that's what you're supposed to be doing, totally different. So you're taking in all this information and then eventually you're doing the job by yourself. How do you utilize the, the team that you have, other water treaters? Because I know you do a very good job of making sure you're not an island. And one of the issues that most water treaters have is they're an island. What do you do to help with that? Of course, you know, scaling up podcast is just fantastic on Fridays. I mean, you cannot go without it. I do have a, a very solid list of podcasts that I like to cycle through because, you know, like the rest of us, we all have a lot of windshield time. And uh, I like to fill that with as many podcasts as I can. As far as island goals, you know, I've been so fortunate to fill the people, the spaces around me with great people in my life. So if there's ever a need for me to reach out, um, I know people will reach out just to see how I'm doing. So, and I, sometimes I do like feeling like an island, you know, I, I do like being alone on that next ridgeline per se and, and chasing my own dreams and ambitions. So there's a fine balance. Um, I, I don't feel like I'm absolutely my own person on the island though. Well, and great answer that the first choice was the Scale It Up HBO <laughs> podcast. I appreciate that. How did you find the podcast? Just curious. I don't know how you could miss it, to be honest with you, especially being in an industry. Um, you know, I think it was a recommendation of another tech in my area, in my district. I think he recommended it because, you know, I'm always searching for new and better ways to learn about our crafts, 
um, sometimes you know, with that island, you just, you're not sure if there's any bo- good books to read, articles that came out. And so I'm always just looking for more information, but I think it's more of a collaborative thing uh, with the people around us who, who recommended me scaling up. So when you have a problem and you're like, I've never seen this before, what's going on? What's your process? One thing I've learned is to ask as many questions and you know, write down as many as much detail as you can about the, the concern or problem. You know, I have, a, I have a great amount of resources around me, and I found too often that I drop everything, call them, and say, "Hey, you know, I have this issue." And they ask a lot of great questions, and I realized I didn't do any due diligence to even solve the issue myself first. And so, you know, being more personable in that regards is something I've been trying to work on. But you know, understanding that the resources are endless around me. What's been one of the more challenging things you've had to deal with? I will say, to be honest, anything with wastewater um, is something that I do not, I'm not efficient in. Very thankful that I do have people around me that are efficient in wastewater. But I'll say one thing that I haven't had as much ambition to learn is wastewater. I understand the processes for the most part, but just, you know, sharing that information and teaching wastewater is something that's very scary to me at the time. So I would say wastewater for sure. I mentioned this on the Friday episode of Industrial Water Week just a a few weeks ago, that one of my first experiences with wastewater was with my father, and we were at a plant, and my dad did all this work, and of course, I was helping him, and then I remember telling him, you know, they're taking all this work, and ultimately, they're just flushing it down the drain, or they're throwing it away, And, and he said, you're looking at it all wrong. These people wouldn't have been able to stay open had we not solved this problem we actually saved everybody's job. And ever since then, I've just looked at wastewater so different. That's a great perspective. One of the hazards that somebody that does industrial water treatment can get into is repetition, doing the same thing over and over and over again. That creates burnout. That creates mistakes, that creates not really showing the customer appreciation for all the things they allow us to do. What's something you do to make sure that doesn't happen? Uh, I'm very fortunate in the fact that I do not have that issue. You know, um, again, going back to my life when just meeting people and, and being able to influence them, you know, every day is different. And even, you know, I'm, a, I'm typically on a monthly cycle to see customers, but every month there is different. You know, for instance, if they got a new maintenance tech, you know, being able to teach them, influence them, work with them, um, I would say no two days are the same. So I, I really do struggle with repetition because I don't think it it affects me at all. Uh, and then and then sales, there's always opportunities to prospect, and there's so many different avenues to prospect in. So um, being sort of self motivated, I do do not find those issues, thankfully. Do you transition from service days to sales days, or do you just do it all at once? A little of both. It, it depends where I am. You know, with driving two or three hours a day, sometimes you have to group things together. However, I do like to wear my quote unquote sales face sometimes, being able to have all my resources ready, go through hypothetical questions or scenarios or questions they might have. So for the most part, I do like to have those days just for sales. Sales is one of those things that you never truly master. You're always learning how can you do it better? How can you make sure you can solve the needs of the client better and explore that and make them feel as comfortable as possible? What are some of the tools that you've used to help yourself? Sure. Well, I am sort of a book nut in that I love reading and I like reading things that more so self-help books. 
as much fiction. So I, it's one of my favorite books on the subject of sales is How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. I just think it's a fascinating topic on just human relationships, being able to understand people rather than hear them. Another one is The Go-Giver. I, I absolutely love that book. And it's actually a small story on a salesman and his journey for success and you know, finding self-worth. So reading is one for me that, that helps. There's nothing like good old experience, um, getting out there and just in front of any, in front of customers and just hitting your face sometimes, falling flat. So those are the best times to learn, I, I feel too. Tell us about your very first sales call. Oh my gosh, Trace, it was, <laughs> it was terrible. First of all, they didn't even have any water treatment on their facility. Yeah, no cooling towers, no boilers, nothing. So I walked in and the receptionist, I said, hey, um, you know, my name is Jed Kosh. I, I do water treatment. Uh, is there someone I can talk to, you know, about that? And she said, oh, I'll grab someone. And I was so nervous. I told her, I'm like, oh, this is my first sale. I don't even, you know, this is my first stop. I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and uh, she, she off the phone is like, yeah, we don't even have anything to treat or no water treatment. So if you want to leave your business card and you got my car, I'm like, oh, man, I did it. I did my first prospecting call. Absolutely went nowhere. Never went there again, obviously. But um, I was just so excited to be able to fail and get those words out and, and experience it. So my first sales call did not end nowhere near where I wanted it to be. What was the second one like? <laughs> you know what? I don't, I don't remember the second one. I do remember the first one. I think after that, I was sort of off, off to the races as far as self-confidence, um, understanding the, you know, understanding maybe I have to take a step back and understand the industry more. So. You know, the first one, I definitely fell on my face. But after that, I think his confidence grew. I, I don't remember too many of them. Well, and that's the point. Uh, there are a lot of people that will do something once and not like the result, and they never do it again. But it sounds like you had an experience. You said, I can improve upon this experience. And the history is in the success that you've been having. Yeah, I would agree. So, Jed, this next question, kind of a two-part question how do you know you need to learn something new? And then what do you do to learn that? I think the greatest way to learn something is first to be curious about it. And so, you know, I'm, I'm a very curious person where sometimes I'll just run hypothetical scenarios through my head. Let's say, oh, well, what if I run into a prospect and they need an RO? Or maybe that would be a better return on investment currently than what they're using. And then I would sit down and realize I have no idea how to, to size an RO or whatever it may be. So that motivates me to dig deeper in my free time to learn things that I don't necessarily understand. I would say the best way that I learn is to experience something because you can read books and books, but if you aren't physically in front of a boiler or get to experience it, it it's hard to teach. So just, just coming across things in the industry that I don't feel comfortable teaching yet gets me motivated to learn more about it. Do you have a goal that one day you'll be teaching these subjects? I think so. And I tie that with my you know ultimate win because it's, it's the more that I can influence people in a positive way and reach out to them, um, the better. And so, you know, one of my, I, would say, I guess, goals is to help run a company. I just think once I master the subject, I can be able to get in front of people and influence them in a way that people haven't yet in a better manner. So absolutely, I would love to teach. That's certainly down the road, though. Jed, do you have any mentors or role models in your life? Yeah, I would say uh, my dad, first and foremost, you know, he has a fascinating story where he started his own landscaping company and has grown it over to over 600 customers. Quite fascinating the work he's done and just, you know, his faith hasn't moved anywhere. So I look up to him as constant resource. I would look at my father-in-law to be another mentor. You know, he has a company in the greater Green Bay area that employs over 140 people. And just to see his 
you know, his reach of the community is fantastic and all the positive feedback that everyone I meet that knows him is amazing. So I strive to be, you know, a hybrid of those two guys. Have you told him that? I have never mustered up that, that conversation. I haven't. No. Well, they're going to hear it from this. I'm sure. They will absolutely be listening to the podcast. So it'll be brought up. (laughs) That's awesome. And they're, they're going to think that that's awesome. And Hey, why didn't he tell me this? Yeah. Well, the way you and I met was we connected with each other on LinkedIn, and then that struck up a conversation uh, that led to a couple phone conversations, and now ultimately this interview. I reached out to you from social media because you have kind of a unique way that you're giving back to this community. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So what I have been doing this year is uh, called Rule of Thumb Thursdays, uh, where I take a topic. And this actually, taking a step back, this is actually derived from you, Trace. It was episode 128 on system tonnage times three. And to be honest, if you would go back, you would say, man, he must have stole that idea from me because you said the phrase rule of thumb at least 10 times. And just subliminally, it stuck with me. And I, I know you, I remember you saying something where your dad mentioned, you know, whenever you had questions, you said, you know, well, this is, this is just the way it is and that not sticking with you, you know, and I, I felt the same way. The story with that was whenever he told me that it was it was a fancy way of saying I don't know where it came from. <laughs> Absolutely, and, and that certainly resonated with myself as well. And so, you know, I thought, you know, what better better way for me to give back than to kind of go over the the rule of thumbs that I've come across so far in the industry that I just thought, well, that's the way we always done it. Um, take some personal time to invest in putting an article together that kind of breaks it down, and so. I've really found that to be a great hobby of mine. Um, you know, of course, on my free time, writing articles and putting some some videos together on rule of thumbs. And I, I think year to date, I have a little over twenty articles so far. So I don't I don't think you would call them articles, but you know, whatever four page post that I put together, I just I've been I felt the community reach out as well. You know, there's so many people that have reached out, have given me advice. You know, I had someone say, well, can you do a, a boil up procedure? You know, what's the rule of thumb on that? I'm like, oh, well, glad you asked. That's a great, that's a great topic. And, you know, I think Alan Watts once said that anything you can be interested in, you will find others that are. And I've found that to be certainly the case with the community. So it started off as just wanting to do a little more arch, outreach and give back to the community. And it's grown tremendously. I'm, I'm shocked. I never, never had a goal or, you know, I wanted to be on the podcast, you know, but this is just amazing. So very humbling. Well, the content is fantastic. It has to take you a while to put that stuff together. Oh, yes. Yeah. So um, the videos now, the videos are just for fun. Um, I've gotten pretty good at those, but I would say that an article probably takes me four to six hours. But, you know, I don't look at it as work. I do it mostly on my weekends, you know, Saturday or Sunday, but I just feel so rewarded um, when I get to share that and just to see the appreciation. I do like the constructive criticism, though, as well, just because I'm no expert. I am learning myself and, you know, what better way to learn the topic than to just jump into it for four to six hours. And so it's been rewarding on all aspects. Do you mind if I ask what some of the criticism was? It's, it's all been very good. And this is another thing where, you know, anything you can be interested in, you'll find others that are. James McDonald reached out to me and I had a couple of spelling errors. And so he certainly corrected on me. But then the same same article, he said, I never knew that or whatever point I made. So it's all it's all been great. But, you know, I'm open to it just to learn as well. 
Yeah. And I asked that just for group therapy between you and I, because, uh, you know, everybody loves, you know, what I'm doing, but, you know, people like to put their two cents in sometimes. And, you know, you, you use the wrong pronoun there or, or something like that, just because <laughs> I was getting excited talking. So there, there are some people that want to make sure that your product is as best as it can be. And, and I appreciate that. You know, I look at it as They've been impacted by my work. I hope it's been positive and I'm doing everything I can to improve. So I do, I do appreciate it, even though sometimes it's a little frustrating. Yeah. And likewise, if somebody heard that, well, hey, they're listening to it. They're mm-hmm. listening pretty intently with it. And they took the time to let me know so I can do better next time. Yeah, I agree with you. It's great. Any feedback is good feedback. Mm-hmm. And I'm always looking for more topics or rule of thumbs that people have come across and just, uh, you know, what the heck? How does this work? Does it even hold true. So for anyone out there that has ideas, feel free to reach out. Well, let's see if we can flood your page with all these new scaling up listeners. How would they find Rule of Thumb Thursdays? So I'm, I'm just on LinkedIn page, Jed Kosh. You can find me. You probably can't miss me because so many people have been resharing my stuff and it's been, it's been amazing, but um, LinkedIn is the place to find me. By the way, that is the way you know you've got good, valuable material when people share your content. Absolutely. And, th- and that one is another um, selling point for me starting this too, is sometimes I think on LinkedIn, we just get too bogged down with just not enough meaningful content. And if I'm going to steal someone's time, I want it to make it worthwhile. And so that was another motivating factor where I want to put out valuable content for people. Well, you certainly have. And I'm assuming that there's more to come. Absolutely. I mean, the day that I can't find a rule of thumb would be quite amazing as far as the topic goes. But yeah, absolutely. There's no end in sight, I would say. Well, from the water treatment community, I want to thank you for creating content that is helping people. I'm I'm honored and I'm going to continue to do it as long as people enjoy it. So thank you, Trace. Well, I always love asking this question. Water treatment is one of those things that unless you're in it, you really don't know what it is. So what do your friends and family think you do? To be honest, I think they're a lost cause. <laughs> um, you know, I, I actually went to a really good friend's bachelor party a couple of weeks ago, showed up and a couple of guys were already there. And one guy goes, hey, look, the bomb guy's here. And I go, the bomb guy, really? And he goes, oh yeah, you're the chemist, right? And at that point I realized, okay, this conversation is going nowhere. So I've heard, I've heard it all, but um, sometimes it's just worth not even letting them know what I do. So it, it can be frustrating, but it's, it's fun at the same time. So if somebody asks you, what do you do? They really don't have any context. What do you tell them? I would start with um, technical sales in the water treatment industry. I would go try to tailor that into industrial water treatment, more so manufacturers, facilities, and then go into you know, what a boiler and cooling tower condenser is. And if I haven't lost them that, you know, then, then I would probably continue further. But at that point, typically, it's let's read their facial content and see if they're still with me. I know exactly what you're talking about. My wife's a pharmacist. And back when we had parties and we did things like that, we would go to Christmas parties and somebody say, oh, you're Stacy's husband. What, what do you do? And then you can kind of see them looking in the distance. Okay, who can I pretend that needs to yeah. talk to me? Yeah, <laughs> uh, fun times. <laughs> a segment I sometimes do on this podcast for my own therapy is called The Boiling Point. And it's things that I've seen other water treaters do It just aggravates me. I'm like, guys and girls, why are you doing that? So it allows me some therapy that I get to share with everybody in the Scaling Up Nation. So I'm going to give that to you. 
What do you see other water treaters do that you just want them to stop doing? Yeah, I would say, you know, moral integrity and just staying truthful to yourself is something that I see not, not only water treatment treaters do, um, you know, but all sales. I guess whenever you have a goal in mind, um, you do have to sacrifice a part of you. And, you know, if that's your integrity, I think that it doesn't go very far for yourself. You know, if it's your passion, that's great. But sometimes I think we try to sell things that we don't necessarily need to or try to bend the truth. I've seen that with other water treaters. And I, I sometimes I like to put myself in a perspective where I'm selling to my brother. And does he absolutely need this upgrade? Does he need this additional chemical? And so I guess I would start there. So you use this scenario with, with your brother. So take us through that. How, what's the acid test to make sure that we're really doing what is absolutely right for the customer and not something that's more right for us? Sure. Well, that's a great question. I would say it just comes down to more so bending the truth. You know, to be honest, letting my brother know, hey, he owns this company and let's say his cooling tower controller is, is quite old. Now, would I say, you know what, let's upgrade to a fluorescent tracer where it's absolutely necessary, you're going to absolutely love the technology. When the last 10 years, the cooling tower has been just fine. You know, and to be honest, just self-reflect and say, approach it where you're letting your brother know, hey, this is where we're at. And to be honest, this is where we could be and not emphasizing the need for it. Because sometimes, to be honest, I don't think it's, it is necessary. And that's just one scenario. But I think we come across some of those scenarios where we try to push it more so than it should be. In a scenario like that, would it be better to maybe give them a couple of choices, let them know what the benefit of each choice is, and then they just make the decision? I do like to spend time and put together, you know, ROI calculations. I like to see hypothetical scenarios where, you know, if if this was in place, we could do this much better. And so I do like to lay out as transparent as I can about any topic. Sometimes I think, you know, we're just, we flash too much about, hey, this needs to change or else. And don't really go into why. So more so selling is a rule of thumb and not necessarily explaining it. I like it. That's a great thing that we should all be conscious of. And, you know, sometimes it never hurts to look into our motives and make sure that they're, they're really what we want them to be. So, Jed, we've been talking about water treatment, the content that you put out to help the industry. What do you do for fun? What are some of your hobbies? When I'm not working, I'm putting together articles. My wife and I are big fitness fanatics, so we actually built a small gym in our garage, a, f- a full stall, or a three-start stall garage. But, you know, everything that's challenging, I like to pursue. You know, I've done an ultra marathon a couple of years ago. I did a bodybuilding competition. You know, my wife's competed in some fitness competitions as well. So we kind of like to push the envelope on what's possible or what I perceive as to be possible. On top of that, I just love spending time with our dog. We have a golden retriever, and the thing is just absolutely adorable. So she obtains a lot of our free time as well. That's awesome. If you could only get one point across today, what would you want that point to be? I would say become obnoxiously passionate about whatever craft it is you are pursuing. And it's okay if it's not water treatment, you know, whatever it is. I just got done reading Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. And, you know, he mentioned it takes about 10,000 hours to master something. And so for me, just a sense of urgency in life, I want to master something as quickly as possible so that I can share, I can learn and, and give that. So I would say whatever craft it is that you're pursuing, make sure you're incredibly passionate about it. Well, I know you're a listener to this podcast. You've heard me ask hundreds of people lightning round question. You are now in the hot seat. Are you ready? Fire away. All right. Question number one, you now have the ability to go back in time and talk to yourself on your very first day as a water treater. 
all the experience you've had since then, what advice would you today give yourself back then? You know, I don't think I would tell myself anything. Looking back, I, I am very pleased with how everything has panned out so far. You know, all the lessons I had to learn the hard way. You know, I think if I didn't learn those lessons the hard way, I don't think I would be, you know, who I am now. So I don't think I would say anything. I would just let it transpire. Jed, there's no doubt that you are a reader. You're reading something all the time. Tell us what you're reading. Tell us what you want us to read. Man, the last three books that I read, um, just got done reading Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. I recommend it, although I don't agree with some of the points he made, just because I think everyone can be an outlier of some sort. He goes more into stats on you know why people why people are outliers. I, I think everyone can be an outlier. Second book I read was Levels of the Game by John McPhee. It's about a professional tennis match. The Churchill Factor, it's on Winston Churchill's life. Now, if there was one that I would absolutely recommend, it's called The Secret by Rhonda Byrne. Um, now, this book I was actually recommended to from a customer, and it's absolutely changed my life. It's, it's on the law of attraction, but it's a great read, and I need to get back to reading it soon. I love book recommendations. Thank you for all of those. When Hollywood hears this podcast, they're going to start writing a script about your life. Who do you want to play you? Without a doubt, I would pick uh, Chris Pratt. I absolutely love him as a comedian um, for all the work that he's done and for all the work that he's done off the stage. So I would, I would hope Chris Pratt would take the challenge. So I actually had a run-in with Chris Pratt. Did you really? We're, we're here in Atlanta. There's some movie studios in the Atlanta area, and he was on set, and his trailer was right by the cooling tower. So we had a very deep conversation he gave me a head nod. I gave him a head nod back. <laughs> History was written. The nod of approval. Great. <laughs> <laughs> My last question. You now can talk with anybody throughout history. Who would it be with and why? Yeah, I would go back and talk with uh, Jesus. You know, the amount of influence he's had on people and the way that he communicates with people, it's just so fascinating to me. I would have hundreds of questions and I hope he would answer them all, but I'm sure he would in a lot shorter um, conversation than I would probably expect. So. I'll go back and talk to Jesus. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you so much for coming on Scaling Up H2O. Trace, it's been a pleasure and humbling to be able to join you and the prestigious guests you've had on. Uh, I think it speaks volumes that you've, you were kind enough to invite me on and to invest in an upcoming generation. So thanks again. I hope our paths will cross in the near future. Nation, I don't mind telling you that after this interview, Jed and I stayed on the call for probably another hour. If you have not met Jed, if you are not connected with him on his LinkedIn post, I urge you to do that. He is just an incredible individual, and he is one of the people that I have my eye on. I know he is going to do tremendous things. So Jed, thanks again for coming on the show. You know, speaking of tremendous things, when we look at leadership, I think we put such a big tag on what leadership is that if we can't execute this huge task, we're not truly leading people. And I want you to think back in your mind about who has had some of the biggest impacts in your life. And I'm willing to bet that it's not big things you remember, it's little small things. It's the little small things that changed everything. I will urge you to consider that is leadership. Leadership 
is giving somebody a small piece that can possibly get them to the next level. You might not even know that, but just the fact that you reached out to them, just the fact that you supported them, maybe it's just a kind word. Treating others the way that we ourselves want to be treated, that in and of itself is leadership. So I just want you to consider that. Some of the biggest changes in my life happened because somebody did something small and doesn't cost anything to do things like that. Well, Nation, something else that's not going to cost you a dime is for you to participate in this week's James's Challenge. Hello, Scaling Up Nation. The next James's Challenge as we grow as an industrial water treatment professional, drop by drop, is... Learn how steam traps operate. There is a tremendous amount of genius in the design of steam traps. Various models take advantage of differences in density and differences in thermodynamic properties of differing metals. Steam traps are often tucked away in some corner and easy to ignore as well. But properly functioning steam traps can be as important as a good water treatment program in regards to maximizing boiler efficiencies. Take this week to learn more about steam traps. Be sure to share your experience on LinkedIn by tagging it with hashtag JC21 and hashtag ScalingUpH2O. This is James McDonald, and I look forward to seeing what you share. I remember when I first got into water treatment and I saw my first steam trap. And of course, it made sense how it worked, but there's different designs and that didn't make a lot of sense. Now, I didn't have all the access like we do today on the internet, where if you Google steam valves, you're going to find all sorts of videos where people take them apart. They've got diagrams of them. They've got cross sections of them, and they will show you exactly how they work. Now, back in the day, I actually had an engineer that took apart a steam valve and showed me exactly what was going on there. And once I understood what was going on within a steam valve and the different types of steam valves, that made sense to why we had to test them. What were the reasons that they could fail and why was it so important for us to make sure that certain tests that we were running were within ranges. So when you take something that you maybe don't completely understand and you drive home the fact that you're trying to learn that, I promise that's one of those little things that will change everything. Well, Nation, I hope that you enjoyed this episode, and it's also my hope that if you have an idea for a new episode, you will let us know by going to scalinguph2o.com and let us know on our show ideas page, or you can send a voicemail of your own voice asking me those questions. Next week is Thanksgiving. I'm going to thank you in advance for listening to this show, for all the things that you do within the Scaling Up Nation. Have a great week, folks.
So many people ask me what a mastermind is. Does that mean in six weeks, I am going to be the best water treater that I can be through a training class? Folks, that's not a mastermind, that is a master class. What a mastermind is, is when like-minded people get together, we process issues, we form common bonds of friendship around each other, and we celebrate and push each other towards success. It is the key to so many people unlocking their potential. To find out more, go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind.